Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The league in to bowl the last ball of the day. He's got him! We'll see a lot of hundreds in test cricket. You won't see too many cups here once English cricket laid to rest the historic Ashes Test Sydney Heroes spot for 744. The Don in Leeds, 1930, Lawwood Bowling Spell gets 3334 Australian cricket law. Attendance here at the MCG, 1960 on top again, shuffle team who be in. Clark Hodge, Dizzy Street, one day record on the board for us past. They score more cricket icons passed away. Come on, Aussie, lead the way. We started Hi, and welcome to the Crick Index Ashes podcast. I'm your host, Amit Kohli, and joining me today, we have regulars. Dan Rhodes and Dan Kennett, and also we have Meghna from India, but she's supporting the Australians. Gentlemen and lady, what do you make of the cricket? We never expected that in Cardiff, and now at Lords, we have it completely the other way. From the heights of Cardiff, England have come thumping down to earth uh, with a big thud, and the Australians have run away with it. And even Mitchell Johnson is in the wickets. Uh, Dan Kennett, let's bring you in first. What did you make of that? The Aussie class coming through? Well, yeah, it was, um, <clears throat> I think there's a few words that you chastening is the first one, obviously. Um, but it was pretty, pretty feeble, to be honest, from England. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the level of the defeat, 405 runs. It's just, that's a, a staggering defeat. Um you know, um, it's it was just so comprehensive, um, out batted, out bowled, outfielded, uh, and out captains. Just, just a complete flip of the first test when England dominated every every aspect of the game. 
Um, this was um, very much the Australians dominated every facet of the game. And um, yeah, um, based on that match, you know, it's pretty difficult to see how England, um, you know, get their heads together after this because that's going to really knock the stuffing out of them, the, the, the size of the defeat. Yeah, Dan Rhodes, I was just going to ask you, do you think the manner of the defeat is important in that because they were completely trounced, I mean, 103 all out in 37 overs, do you think that has an effect? You know, or do you reckon a close game that the Aussies win means it's different, even though it's still one all? Um, I thought the manner of the second innings collapsed, the, 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 the amount of overs that we didn't face um, might have some impact, um, the manner of the dismissals. But I don't believe in momentum, so I think they should be refreshed for the third test. It should be a different wicket. What I would say is, um, David Warner was very kind to serve Moen Alley up with a, a wicket early on in the first innings on on a track that they scored 566 on, and Steve Smith played amazingly. But he served Moen Alley up a wicket in one of his first few overs. Lulled us into a false sense of security. Um, they obviously made the changes, had him due to personal reasons, um, and the, the obvious one in dropping Watson, Mitchell Marsh came in with superb. Neville um, was equally superb with the gloves. He was taking. It was. It, it looked. He's looked like the best keeper so far in the in the Ashes. Um, better than better than Butler. And the Aussie bowlers just avoided the pitch, and just pulled it fast and let it swing, and destroyed us both innings. Um, Megan, let's bring you in. You must be really happy as an Aussie fan. I was absolutely stoked. It was like it was a brilliant test match. After the one at Cardiff, I couldn't have expected a better performance from the Aussies. So it was really, really nice. Especially the second innings. That was just like the cherry on top. It was brilliant. And were you happy with the changes? You know, bringing Neville in. Uh, obviously, Neville had to come in for personal reasons for, yeah. from from Haddington. But were you happy with the change with Mitch Marsh coming in? I was really happy with Mitch Marsh. I actually thought Sean Marsh would replace Watson, but then. When Mitch Marsh came in, I was also pretty happy. And he did really well. I mean, he did better than Watson did in the first test. And of course, I mean, you don't want to lose Watson in the team. But, you know, Mitch Marsh did really well. And I don't think he'll lose his spot for the third test. But it also depends on the conditions, I think. And Neville was really good with the gloves. Um, he he was he, yeah, he replayed Haddon well. Yeah, it was a really good debut for him, I think. He even batted well in the first inning. Good changes. Good changes. Uh, Dan Rhodes, we were saying in the preview podcast that how are England going to get Steve Smith out and uh, it, it we had the secret it, weapon didn't exactly we? that happened uh, special mention I think double century it's incredible <laughs> it's incredible I, I just I, I find him fascinating to watch but especially the second innings when he kept walking across like with Richards and just like like Peterson and his pomp just flicking balls just scoring six and over at will um, yeah you I think you just you've got to take every single chance you get off Smith, and you have to be absolutely metronomic outside the off stump because anything on his stumps, he just whips it away. Yeah, Dan. Uh, you know what? You know, Kenny, you know what did you mind to be the Rogers and Smith? Um, the 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 Smith. Um, he reminds me of when um, we first played uh, Graham Smith, uh, another Smith, uh, uh, Graham Smith, uh, and he he scored two double hundreds in the first two tests against South Africa, and the, the team just had no idea. How to get him out? Didn't know where to bowl to him. And I don't think we had anywhere near the standard of class of bowling attack then either. Although it was pretty good, wasn't it? Caddick and Goff and yeah, but I, I mean we can come on to this. But 
I think our I think our bowling attack was really muted by by the pitch. I mean, the broad bowled pretty well, but I mean Anderson was Anderson was a non-factor in in the match. You know, when it's flat. Um, when it, you know, and if you if you want to get the best out of James Anderson, you need to put a, a, sl- a slightly green pitch, which has got some sideways movement, and 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 the ball's going to swing. And then he's pretty much one of the best bowlers in the world. But if, you, as I said, as we said last week, if you uh, if if you're on a flat pitch, you can neuter Anderson pretty pretty easily. And then he's just um, he's, then he's just a fast medium bowler almost. So I, I just think broad bowled okay, um, you know, because you could see he still gave. Um, Michael Clark some prompt buttons in the first innings, um, so so he was bowling well. But apart from that, and the, the rest, of the, there was no plan. There was no coordinated plan to bowl to Smith. Um, not not for not does, for not for 137. Anderson was yeah, it's woeful. Um, uh, and and I, it doesn't it doesn't look like we've got any chance of any any any, any sign of a plan because um, he, he he just in the second innings he just came out and smashed uh, a quick fifty. So I don't know. It's um, it's pretty grim, really, for you know, for Smith. And, and you're right; he's got this really. I, I can't remember the last player I saw with such an exaggerated, you know, trigger movement. You know, across the stumps, it's quite bizarre. And uh, and then perfectly like still, the, perfectly still at the release. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's pretty good. Um, and it's an extremely effective. So I mean, th- there's got to be a plan to bolt him by the next test match. Um, otherwise, um, it's just going to be a continuation. Are we making too? I mean, you mentioned the pitch there. Are we making too much of the pitch because England lost? Uh, the pitch got mentioned a bit at Cardiff as well. But then no, when England were on the ascendancy, the pitch was flat. It was no, it, no competition was between bat and ball. Um, well, I don't know, but I mean, it wasn't an English pitch. You know, it wasn't English conditions, was it? Um, and you know, if you want to be in, you want to be a. If you've got a home series, you want to make the conditions into your favour to, to get the best out of what your the environment of what your players are most used to playing. Um, and it was just it was just a good batting wicket. There wasn't there was you know once the shine went off the new ball after you know eight ten overs there was there was virtually no movement of the ball. It was just flat. Having I mean, it wasn't Jim, that quick. Having Jimmy Anderson who's ranked in the top four in the world and and preparing a pitch like that for him in the Ashes is like. It's like having Luis Suarez and playing eighty-yard long balls to him all game. It, it's just it, there's no you're not going to yeah. get anything out of it. It's like new to and your best player. We said I said at the start of the tournament it was uh, Root and Root and uh, Anderson who were the key players. And if one one of your key players can't contribute at all because you're preparing a pitch that's is 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 prepared to new to all the bowlers, that's the idea of a slow pitch. Just, just let the batsman face as many but balls as possible. Slow. But I thought in the third, the highlights I saw on the on the third day with the the Aussies were getting so much movement out of it. It was just a strange Mm -hmm. one. Before the match started, Mark Nicholas actually said that this pitch is so good for batting. And I mean, like when you saw the Australians batting in the first innings, you just knew it was really good. But then England came out and batted that way, and you just clearly show that you can never judge a pitch unless both teams have had a bat on it. You know, it's like they were struggling. They were actually struggling so bad. And it, it wasn't the pitch spot. It was really flat. But it's just that England couldn't bat on it. No, I agree. No, good, point. And if you, good, good point. It, it was. But you know, Cook showed the team, rest of the team, how to bat on it. Uh, and nobody paid any attention. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 he batted for five hours and 230 balls for 96. I mean, that's occupying the crease. It's accumulating. It's what he does. But he showed, you know, it's pretty easy to bat on it. And... The rest of the top order were, were just pathetic. Uh, yeah, fair point, uh, Dan. I was going to uh, come in and say, has the 
has the England top order then been exposed completely in both innings in this test match, whereas in Cardiff it was glossed over because even in Cardiff, you know, 43 for three, here we have England 30 for four um, at one point. Uh, you know, are the chinks in the England you know, uh, batting order, top four especially, being exposed completely now? Um, well, there's a stat going around that in the eight of the last 11 or something, we've been, we've been three or four down uh, for less than 50 or something. So, yeah, it's an issue. It's a massive issue. And Joe, Joe Root's been rescuing us, Ben Stokes, uh, the lower order. But Light's had a century in the last four tests. You can't drop Cook. Balance is, is he still averaging over 50? It's, it must be close. So, it, what do you do? And Ian Bell, <laughs> we discussed him on the last pod. It'd be massively reactionary and knee jerk to just suddenly say he needs to be dropped for the next test. Um, even though. I thought both of his innings were pretty. He got a good one from Hazelwood, but in the second innings, the way the way he played, the way he played Lions, Lions were terrible. Um, no confidence. Was just kind of thinking. It, oh, it's just the worst soft nick after facing fifty balls, and that was the problem. The problem the Australians had in Cardiff of get batsmen getting in and not doing anything with it um, was a similar issue for for England in this test. Yeah, I, I did a bit of research on this, Amit, and um, the last 12 Ashes tests, so seven in England, five in Australia, England have got over 400 once, and that was at Cardiff. That was at Cardiff. The average first inning score is 273, and they've got less than 300 in the first inning seven times in 12 tests. It's Ouch. a top-order problem. Ouch. Yeah, I mean, my take on the whole thing is it's it's difficult when you've got a new opening partnership um, but you know Adam Lyth you have to back whoever's getting the runs in the county game the, the problem England have is with Gary Balance and Ian Bell I mean Gary Balance I've never seen a batsman uh, bat so deep in the popping crease I, I feel as though he's going to step on his own stumps a lot of the time and, and Ian Bell is I thought after the second innings in Cardiff he might be you know showing a bit of form again but but no he looks exactly he looks a walking wicket as well um, and then that's a lot of pressure on, on Root and Stokes coming in. Uh, and if Root, you know, at the moment, eight times out of ten, he comes in and saves the day. But um, I think, Dan, what you were referring to as well, that the past, you know, going back to the West Indies tour, New Zealand, uh, coming to England, England are always 50 for three, 40-something for three. Uh, and there's going to be a day when Root gets a good one or he, he plays a bad shot and then, then we're into the tail. I think 312 might be competitive on a different day, but not when you're facing 566. Before the Ashes started, I was actually asked who I thought would be the highest uh, run scorer and wicket taker for England. And I actually did say that uh, it would be Root and Broad. Um, um, and that's how it's happening. Like That's how it's planning out to be. But the thing is, I, I don't see Balance doing well, honestly. I mean, he just comes, he, he stays on for a little while and then he goes off. He gets out. And we all know Stokes can bat a little. And I don't, Broad is doing a job with his ball too, but I don't think he'd be the leading run scorer in the second innings for England. He actually was the leading run scorer, I think with like a 25 or something. So that clearly talks about how bad England's batting in the test was. Like even Light, uh, I think he lost both the times Stark took his wicket. So it's pretty much like now how it's become Stark just takes Light's wicket. Like he just gets the breakthrough. And Cook, I think, batted in the first innings, I think. So I think it's just a top-order thing. Like, both of them don't perform together. It's just one of them who always 
and then it always just falls onto Root and Stokes and Stokes can bat a bit so England are lucky that they have a little bit of a batsman in him. I think uh, with live you've you've he just it just didn't realise when he should leave it. Does it? He hasn't got an awareness of his off stump like Cook. The, sh- the shot in the first innings, Dan, was just dreadful, wasn't it? That was the second ball. Second ball, yeah. guys, isn't it? Just, I mean, just, yeah. just get your breath back. It just, it just doesn't know. It's a technical awareness of where your off stump is if, you, if you're playing at a ball like that, which is four stumps outside the off stump when he hit yeah. two, wasn't it? The, 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 one of the things that most concerned me was um, it, it, so far, and this is, this is going back to the, the last tour in Australia as well, is that the amount of the top order batsmen are getting bold. Um, I, I just think that there's there's no, there's, there's two. Um, I, I I'm starting to question the uh, testicular fortitude of our uh, top order players about the ability to get in line and play the fast, play the play the quick bowlers, and I just don't think. Um, I just don't think they're up to the job. Um, but I, I don't see any... The problem is, I don't see anybody who's going to come in and um, and, and fix that. That's a fantastic phrase, testicular fortitude. I've <laughs> <Yeah>, been polite. <laughs> well, uh, well, Mo and Annie definitely I, it, it, hasn't got any in the second innings with his dismissal. Well, he, he can't play the short ball. Everybody knows this. Every, you know, it, you know he, he, he's... I mean, I said it last time on the show that um, you know I was amazed um, how, how how well he was pulling the ball in you know, Cardiff because he's got you know anybody who's bounced him in the past in his career and he's he's been struggling. He, so even even the Indian quicks last summer were bouncing him. And I was going to say I was going to say the same thing when Ishant Sharma's coming in and bouncing yeah. you out, then you know something's wrong. Yeah, so he's got no team. Fame prayers there, Mister Kennett. <laughs> even the Indian quicks were bouncing early on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just duck. Well, yeah. This is the thing in the second innings. Yeah. What I didn't understand was if you can't play the short ball, it doesn't matter because you don't have to take the attack to the opposition because you've got five sessions to yeah. bat. Just duck. Even Sachin Tendulkar ducks. Would he used to duck? Just duck. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the day the, the days of the days of say uh, uh, Cook, the likes of Cook, Vaughan. Uh, Collingwood, Peterson, um, Trot, who were just... And actually, not so much Trot, because he was always a little bit of extreme pace. I always had suspected him. But the other four would would, would just take the quicks on and they would get in line and play it, and play it straight. And the, the, the amount of our top older players who were getting bold is real concern. I just... I'm, 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 they're quick through... The Aussies are quick through the air, you see. That's it, they are quick through the air, especially Stark and Johnson. And, we, and I thought Johnson was going to be poor in this test because of his previous <laughs> record at Lords and was on about dropping him and bowling first. So the the, the lesson there is don't listen to a word I say. Yeah, Johnson is like one of those players you don't have, you shouldn't wake him up. Like if he starts, if he gets going, if he just gets that one wicket, he'll keep going and he won't stop. And that's what happened in this test, and that's what was that's what made it awesome. That's what made him get all those wickets. Do you, want to talk, do you want to talk us through the Stokes run out? Because I don't want to remember it. <laughs> okay, that was my favorite moment in the entire match. It was, it was funny. It was, and it was brilliant though. It was a brilliant throw from Johnson, and the whole reaction, the way Stokes reacted to him, you just didn't know what was going on. And I, I thought it would be out, but I didn't know it would be out in that way. I thought he'd probably like try getting his bat down onto the crease, but no, he wasn't. Like nothing was on the ground. It was really funny, and it was a brilliant throw. I, I, I love that. It was, it was my favourite moment in the whole match. It's a strange one. I think it should be in. Does anyone agree with me? <laughs> <laughs> now, no. now, you, now you can measure whether the foot is actually over the line, whether it's touching the ground or not. It was it. it no, just... no, he deserves to be out being so stupid. I don't care, even if he's not grounded his bat. Close. 
yeah, what, he, what needs more, he needs to learn. He needs to learn that. Right. What annoyed you more, Duncan? The mancad. It, there's what, what annoyed you more, Stokes or the mancad? Oh, mancads, definitely. That's just that's just not cricket. Yeah. <laughs> he took it for granted. It's like he took it for granted that he 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 kind of assumed in his head that no, I'm not going to get run out. So he was just walking <clears> and he was just running, but then it actually hit the stumps and he had to go and he was he was baffled. His, his face was just funny. I don't think that uh, Amit. I don't say I don't think you can compare what Stokes did with the Mancad because Mancad's is just uh, it's just a bit you know it's just a bit it's just not cricket you know old chap you know you don't do that kind of thing but um, whereas Stokes was just dumb you know you, you know you learn you learn that at age eight. It's the first of the teacher, isn't it? Yeah, uh, run your bat yeah. in. Just yeah. Anyway, it just it, that I just put the the crowning turd in the water pipe of a. <laughs> that's mad like that's the title no don't <laughs> yes so anyway just just to confirm johnson's supremacy uh three for 53 economy 2.6 in the first innings and in the second innings um he was three for 27 economy 2.7 so i mean i know everybody had a pretty good economy to be honest in the second innings but um and with that run out uh, as well, it's it's it, it's ominous for uh, for the next few test matches. Now, I mean, it, from the last test match, we we're saying Johnson hasn't has lost his groove. He needs a, p- a pitch like Perth or something to do, you know, to get going. But now, you're thinking, well, he's going to be all all guns blazing. Come edge, Baston. Yeah, and uh, not only Johnson. I thought Hazelwood was superb. You know, uh, Marcus North was tipping him as the next Maguire, and you can see why. And it's depressing <laughs> that they've got one like this coming through um, Mitchell Mars was impressive with the ball as well I thought the whole attack was 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 excellent um, Johnson and Stark obviously with the pace of the air that, that caused the problems and yeah they did absolutely in all facets one thing actually uh, before the match started he said Hazelwood should get the new ball because he's really good with the new ball and when he actually did take the new ball he took a wicket so like he is really he's a really good uh, bowler for the, the new ball and then Johnson was brilliant as well and Mitchell Marsh took the main wickets in the first innings of Cook and Stoke so that really helped so everyone contributed so it was really really good I mean it was a perfect bowling performance everyone contributed even Lyon Lyon was there Marsh Hazelwood, Stark, everyone got a wicket. And they all got important wickets. So. And Clark, like Clark's, really Clark's timing as well was impressive, wasn't it? With his changes. Oh, yeah. And the way he declared, like the timings of his declarations and all, like just before, 10 minutes before lunch, he declared, which didn't give England the time to prepare and, you know, get their mind into coming to bat. So that was, I think I, I think that was just a good strategy, good tactics. So... It was, I think Clark was really te- smart. textbook. Yeah, it's textbook captaincy, wasn't it? Declaring and just trying to get him in, and they could have nearly had Cook as well when they declared. Um, he just escaped one. They nicked it onto his pads. Anyone, it could have been out. Just a very, very small inside edge, wasn't it? it so, was. um, going back to what, what we're saying though about um, the difference between Cardiff and um, Lords was that you know we we said last week that, Car- that, that, that Cardiff, the Aussies, was just too short a whole game they were just banging it in and it was short and the English the England batsmen were just rollicking along at five and over but at Lords it was just full and very full full to very full and straight and fast and that's all that's all it was and English batsmen just didn't have the technique or the uh, bravery to to deal with it and do you think the England um Dan Kennett do you think the England batsmen 
you know, their shoulders gave way a bit with the whole scoreboard pressure. So at the beginning, some people were even saying it could be a draw. Oh, this has got a draw written all over it. England are back for two days and, and that's it. It's going to peter out. And But then England come in. Do you think the scoreboard pressure got to them? Because the pitch was still pretty good. Yeah, I think... I mean, scoreboard pressure is always a, always a factor, but it was a good pitch to bat on. Um, I mean, let's not, let's not make any bones about this. It was a good pitch to bat on. Um, but I don't know... Um, apart from one or two players, this team isn't built to back time um, and, and back time and accumulate. And, and, and uh, um, I know we've gone down that road. We did, but we talked about it last week. In fact, we said that the team could be, you know, because it was so aggressive and the stroke play, it could, you know, it could be easily be 100 for six, you know, um, and, and that's the way it turned out. Um, but um, the only one who can back time really is, is, is uh, proven to do it at test level is, is Cook. Uh, and Bell's so out of form now. Um, yeah. Uh, it's 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 a big issue because if you'd had the likes of Cook, Trot, Collingwood, Peterson, you would have been a lot more com- confident and Vaughan again. You'd been a lot more confident about making four fifty five hundred in response to that on that wicket. And we discuss, mm-hmm. we discussed it though, didn't we, about who's who's the next in line if batsmen get dropped and who who is it who's who's going to come in. Who's the possibility? Who's who's the candidates? Because I've got the more stroke makers, Dan. More stroke makers. <laughs> well, it's, you've, the, the top of the batting averages in the championship is Hildreth, uh, averaging yes. fifty-two with the most runs, and then you've got Barthwick. I thought these were bowlers. Luke Wright. Uh, the best two averages are uh, a leaning and uh, Bester. So <laughs> we could drop two Yorkshiremen and bring two more in. How about that for the Yorkshire Mafia, Dan? Hmm. Uh, what's what's the thinking about the? England top order then uh, we'll bring well, first of all the Dans and then we'll bring Megna in about do you think the English should now make a change do you think time's come I don't think there'll be a change with Bell because he's going to go to his home ground um, so he's you know he's he's got a, he's got a very good record at Edgbaston as well um, obviously the only the only the one Lythe has got a good record in the four day matches for, for Yorkshire um, big big factor in their title winning teams but he's he's in at the deep end he really is and at the moment he's not doing as well as say Carberry did um, on the last Ashes tour and balance doesn't look like he can buy a run um, I don't know how I, I, it'll be really interesting because this is 10 days now isn't there before Edgbaston it'll be really interesting to see if balance can go away and get any kind of score and get any time in the middle somewhere are there actually any actually I don't even know if there's any county I'm matches not, on I'm, or not sure, I'm not sure about that um, he does need to play though just needs to keep batting, doesn't he? Perfectly. Well, you, well, Even in the second eleven <laughs> game, just, to bat. <laughs> just in the second eleven game or something like that. Just get it. It, it seems to have lost all his technical because he used to free flowing, quite free flowing, and his twenty twenty record for Yorks was superb. Um, but it just seems to be have a strategy to to stand, sit deep and try and take it on the back foot rather than having any kind of contribution um, through the offside, through on the front foot, through the mid-wicket area. He doesn't seem to have any of that. And, he, and like you say, he's a walking wicket. Walking, both of them. I, I, Life, to me, seems to have been found out. And we've seen many English openers um, found out by Australians um, by just nicking it to the slips consistently. And, and, it's, a, and it's a big worry. I, I, I don't know who would be a better opener, though. I haven't got any batsmen to come in to open better than what Live's record was when he came in. And he has got a test century. I, I don't think they'll... In answer to the question, Amit, I think they'll say, we won one, we lost one, 
um, we'll go with the same team again, the same. Um, that's what, that's uh, what I think they'll do. I, I, I think, think they'd have taken that. I think they'd have taken that had they been offered that at the start of the series. But it's, the, it's the sheer magnitude of it the is. defeat. 405 runs is just unbelievable. Isn't it the third biggest ever in the Ashes history? Is it really? Fourth, in terms of I think it's fourth of, fourth of all time. Fourth of Ashes fourth of, history. In, 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 any, in any. Fourth of any. Yeah. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> that's even <Stop>. worse. <laughs> I mean, the Aussies, the Aussies even did the, uh, you know, it wasn't, no, they had to bat again, didn't they, in the end? They had to, or could they have got... That's a new, that's, that's a modern thing as well. They, they want to rest the bowlers and freshen them up, don't they? And it's a good strategy. It's, I think it's a sports science thing. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. But um, Megan, I was going to bring you in, in the, when the, the Aussies were... Backs against the wall, the changes happened and it's worked for them. Do you think the English should do the same as well, make some changes? Or do you think um, stick with what you know and keep the same team? I think England's main problem is batting, but I don't think they'll make any changes in the batting because who would they replace, you know, even if they were to replace Lyad, who would they replace him with? So I think they'll probably give them another go. I like um I think Stephen Finn and Adil Rashid are the substitutes who are also added in the squad, but they're bowlers and I don't think England has much of a trouble with the bowling. I mean Broad is good, Anderson's fine, Moin Ali is fine. So I really think the issue is with the batting, but I don't think they're gonna make any changes. They might just probably go unchanged for the next test too. But it obviously worked for Australia changing and freshening it up, didn't it? That's that's yeah, that, is- it seems that Australia do you think Haddon, is it a personal, does anyone have any inkling of what the issue might be with Haddon? Because yeah, I think there's some coming... issue with his daughter. Um, his yeah. daughter, I think, got hospitalised or something because she's, oh. I think she has some sort right. of cancer. No, so, yeah, she's uh, been really ill, yeah. Yeah, she's been is really she, ill. Is he, actually, is he actually left the country and flown back to Australia? No, he's there. He's, but he's back. He, he, I think he can't, did he, he's back in England. He's did he go and come back? back? Was, no, he's back in England. He was there, oh. Uh, in, on the final day, so yeah, I think he's back in England. But yeah, that's the reason I think he pulled out of the match. But it's I think he should be back for the next one. He's playing in the in the first class game in between the two tests, so the Australia are playing. Yeah. I'd be tempted so, to. Yeah, I'd just... be tempted to leave Neville in. I'd be tempted to say to Haddon that you know, even if your personal circumstances are fine, just use that as the excuse if you need to, kind of thing. Because Neville's done quite well. Neville is actually doing well, but I think Darren Lehman wants to get back Haddon into the team. So he's he's looking to get him back into the team. So even though Neville's doing well, he just wants Helen to keep his spot as the main keeper of Australia. So Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I, personally, I, I quite like it if Australia brought Haddon back because I just think in Cardiff he, he just looked he just looked his age. Um, he, he just looked like an old man out there. And he, he was letting basic basic mistakes. He was dropping catches. He was he wasn't reaching balls he should have reached quite easily um, compared to what he would have done. And, and I think they should, I think the Aussie should say, name the same eleven. To be honest, I'd be I'd be astonished if they did change. Yeah, ruth, the ruthless Australians always make the right decision in these kind of circumstances, I think. And yeah. they'll keep him in. So you think that Haddon's coming back? No, no. no they'll keep Neville they keep they keep, Definitely keep Neville in. So, I'm just thinking, so, I, I would also I'm like jinx, to I'm trying to jinx them here. I'm trying to jinx them. <laughs> so they bring Haddon back. No, but I do think Haddon's going to be back, though. I think um, I, I was reading a story earlier about how Neville... Even after his strong debut, is going to give way. He's going to make way for Haddon to come back. So, um, yeah, I think Haddon is going to be back. But yeah, I, 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 I don't think I'll be upset if he's not because Neville's great. But yeah, I think he'll be back, and I just hope he does well. That's all because you know Neville played well, and you don't want to lose that extra one player doing well. Technically, technically, very good wicketkeeper. Uh, his footwork is superb. You can see the difference. He's obviously. Wicket keeper first, and then has has become a batsman. I would say I don't I don't know, um, but his footwork superb. Taking the catches, he makes it look easy, and that's and he was taking you know the swinging ball at Lords, especially on the slope, is a nightmare for past wicket keepers, even English ones. So for him to look so comfortable behind the stumps compared to Haddon on a relative, well, not relatively, but it was a bit up and down in Cardiff. But Haddon was just twenty five buys or something, wasn't it? I think it's. Uh, I think Neville did really well considering its debut. Got to cope with the slope, and he was coming into a Test match where the Aussies, the Aussies were under, under a bit of pressure there, and they had to perform, otherwise it could be all over before they know it. And you know, he took uh, I think three catches in the first innings, four catches in the second innings. Did all right with the bat. His first ever touch of the ball as an Australian was catching live. Yeah. I mean, live couldn't have, um, uh, you couldn't have planned it any better, could you, just to give him a bit of practice, just to say, you know, unless he, in, in case he was nervous, just to calm him down a bit, live was, like, obliged. I can hear in the tone of your voice, you were really pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favourite part, uh, part about Neville was he just looked so confident, he didn't look nervous one bit. He, even like right from the beginning, uh, even with the gloves and the batting, he made 45 and like, I think 59 balls or something, which was, I thought was really nice. And he batted really confidently. He, his wicket keeping was really confident. So I really liked his attitude and approach to the game, though it was his debut. I'm so, a, as a, as a wicket keeper, I can't remember ever seeing an Australian wicket keeper that doesn't look as confident as they come, other than Brad Haddon and, uh, Hila. In his last his last test before they dropped him, um, I think he dropped for like three catches and he was letting balls past and things. But yeah, other than at the end of the careers, um, Australian wicket keepers are supremely mentally tough and always look like they're going to catch everything. But the the Aussies don't do sentiment, do they? So there's none of this uh, old Matt Pryor 
kind of thing with England. Oh, he can decide when he's going to quit business. The Aussies are like, Ian Healy, you've had a good run, mate, but Gilchrist is ready. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're thinking, well, Neville, you're ready. But because of the circumstances of Haddon's departure, and now that the Aussies are winning, they might bring him back just because now the sledging's on. What, you, you just know the sledging's going to be back in the Edgebaston Test match. Did but it ever Aussies, go away? Yeah. yeah, it never went away. No, but Haddon, Haddon's raring to go. No, but you know what I mean? Like, there's not, they can't sledge when you're losing, but now it's a different situation. No, yeah, that, that, that gif of um, Mitchell Johnson saying the, the, the Anderson one from Cardiff that was just that was just brilliant <laughs> that was just the best the worst sledge of all time anyway um, I just looked it up um, by the way on the what's happening in between now and uh, Edgbaston and the Aussies play a four, four day match against Derbyshire and yeah. Gary Balance has got a uh, 2020 match and two uh, limited overs games for Yorkshire to to, to regain his form so he's got, <laughs> he's got just ridiculous yeah. that isn't it yeah there's no there's no county match actually Yorkshire were playing today uh, they started the game on the weekend against uh, uh, Worcestershire I think but um, Balance wasn't in that yeah. so Balance is going to play T20 well TTT editor. T20 game yeah. and two of the um, limited overs cup games um, what's it called this Royal London one day cup <laughs> they should just tell him to forget they should just tell him to like, bat all 20 overs uh, and don't care about the score or anything. Just play for yourself. You're getting yourself back in. All defensive. It couldn't be less relevant to the type of bowling and the type of ball and the type of pitches he's going to be facing mm. and the type of innings he needs to be playing. You know, it's, it's going to be fields either in or out and he's got to slog it. <laughs> He's got to turn it over at six, you know, six and over. Is what you need. I just can't understand the logic. The, the, the only trying to sum this up, Amit. I think the only the only way that England get uh, a score uh, of of three fifty or more is is if Cook and or Root play well. I, I I don't see any of the other top five making contributions. I'm very I'm ha- I'm perfectly happy with them. Um, uh, six, seven, eight, nine. England. I think England from six to nine is, is the batting is good, um, but if, if if Root and Cook both go cheaply, then you, you know you, you're lucky. You, you're going to be really struggling just to get three hundred. I reckon. Yeah, like and you said, I think Cook and Root getting them out is like the main thing, even for Australians. Like when Cook and Root got out, I kind of like I thought that okay, you know, we probably got this because they're like the main people. So once, at least if one of them's out, you're like 50% confident, like confident. And then once we got even Root out, then I was just positive we're going to win it. So it's like really the two main people, like you said, getting them, if they get on to a good start and they bat well, England do have a chance at least of getting something up. But if you get them out, yeah, Australia's got it. They're the, they're the main men for England, really. No, I completely agree with you. I agree with you there. Um, yeah, just, um, my sort of two pennies worth is that uh, I, I can't see how England can get to that kind of 80, 90 without a loss uh, situation or, you know, 100 for one is where you want to be to then have the platform for the others to come in. Um, and it doesn't do anything for Gary Balance and Ian Bell when an early wicket tends to always go down. Balance may, may as well have just be opening the way it's going at the moment. Um, but uh, we can't, we move on to Edgbaston. And uh, what what kind of pitch do you reckon they'll dish up this time, Dan? A big, juicy, green, swinging, seeming, 
<laughs> three day test match wicket where the, if he gets 250 batting, it's considered a success. That's the only way. Bring Anderson into the game as much as possible. It's not going to happen. They have to have five days. These, they have to try and have five days these time. Well, they can't even get that. He's everything he's done no, one day for. Even, even the sorry. chief executive strategy, Dan, doesn't work at the moment, does it? Doesn't I feel sorry for the no. chaps who had uh, tickets for day five of Lords? They've missed out on a Lords experience. Uh, Dan Kennett, what's your thoughts? There's got to be. I can't recall seeing a test match played at Edgbaston since the new all the building work was finished. So it's going to be really interesting to know how that has changed um, the environment of the. Because uh, one of the things about Trent Bridge, for example, is when that big new stand went up, um, the ball, and obviously because it's by the river anyway ball just swings around corners. Um, it'd be really interesting to see what they've done to Edgbaston, because I think Edgbaston is, uh, along with Old Trafford, is, is England's two strongest grounds, historically, against all opposition. Um, something about Edgbaston that really does bring the best out in the team. Um, it's a big, but it'll be, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but um, I don't think there has been a test match there since they finished the, the work. No, there has. The, the, uh, the beat India. India played. It's. Uh, did, you go, did you go, mate? Did you go? I, I was there. I was there on day. Four, oh, was that the, was and, that the one uh, that... I was really gutted because this is when Tindorka was chasing his hundred, hundred, and I thought I was going to be part of history. But um, no, we were all done dusted by lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. Uh, yeah. So we, I think we needed to. The Indians needed to uh, back for the whole day to take it into the fifth day or something like that. We had to drive it into Dorka with there, but. And um, I remember Peterson said that he was very impressed with the facilities and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it is quite a quite a place. I don't think it have much effect on the way the pitch is played historically. I think it will stay as it is. I think, um, did you all read Cook saying that he wants the typical good old English pitch when he asked what kind of track he'd like for the Edgbaston Test? So that's what he said, that a good old English pitch will do. But apparently... Um, the Edgbaston pitch will be just like the one at Lord's, uh, just how it was the previous test. So it might be grim again. But yeah, it'll be intriguing to see what kind of pitch they produce for that test match. Yeah, I think, go, I think they'll go for a slow one. I think that's what they'll probably have prepared. I think the, the oval is a result pitch, so I think they like to leave it as a result pitch for the last test. Or a massively bouncy one in it usually so we'll see I mean well Trent Bridge uh, they got reprimanded last time they had a test so uh, again it's up in the air about what are they going to produce uh, but uh, it, I mean there's a lot of debate in the media about are England dictating to the grounds and you know or requesting certain sort of pitches or is it a myth because you know Cook seems to say that they have no influence uh, but, but then Cook's not the boss Strauss has got the influence Um so then, uh, what do you guys make of that sort of thing? Do you reckon England do do that? I mean, I know other countries do it all the time. You know, without without shame, you're going to come to India and get a spinning pitch. That's just the way. Um, but do you reckon England should be doing more of this and and having instead of trying to uh, outwit the op- opposition, do something so the Broad and Anderson get some assistance? That's what I would do. Um, I remember the Ashes decided in two thousand and nine. Uh, when it was 1-1 going to the Oval, wasn't it, I think? And um, we prepared a dry, really dry, dusty um, surface because we had a really, really, really good spinner um, in Graham Swan and Australia had, I can't remember who it was, it was 
just basically some journeyman. Agar, <laughs> or it was no, Lion made his debut. Ashton Agar. No, 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 no. He wasn't playing. I don't think he played. Yeah, no, the 2009 summer uh, in England, um, and it was the last one. Uh, and as soon as you knew that, you know, we, we, we prepared the driest pitch and dustiest pitch you've ever seen. Was it McGill? In England. Was it McGill? I don't think it was McGill, no. But um, quite anyway, um, yeah, so we, we, we've done it. <clears throat> but was it Nathan Horace? No, it, it, it might have been, yeah. Yeah, it have been. Well, we've done it in the past, there's no question. But if the question is, uh, if, if, if we were ordering a pitch to, you know, to to instruction. I don't know what that was at Lords because do, do you want do you just want a prayer, prepare a flat wicket? Is that is that the instruction? Well, maybe they thought Cook has got maybe they thought Cook is going to fix the fifty fifty twinkly uh, toss. <laughs> maybe that was their, <laughs> the whole thinking was it's fifty percent. Maybe Cook calls it right, <laughs> or maybe uh, Clark calls wrong, and that was the plan. Yeah. My my, pre- my my only prediction for the next test is that whoever wins the toss is going to bat first. Yeah. I agree with Dan this time. I'm having no conspiracy theories. Simon's not whispering in my ear about bowling yeah. first <laughs> on a cloudy London day. Last seven matches at Edgbaston, England have won four. Uh, lost one. I like that ratio. So, I mean, they'll definitely have the crowd behind them. The, the Holly stand will go mental as usual. They'll have all the support. Everybody will be quite raucous. Um, it's still a fascinating setup. One all going into Edgbaston. The manner of defeats of both teams, um, I'm looking forward to it. So we think pretty much same teams. Um, what what result are we going? I'm going. I'm going to draw. <laughs> I'm going with an Australian win. Um, if I had to call something that I would say Australian win, um, but if England win the toss and bat well, um, yeah, could be an England win. But uh, if I was putting money on now, uh, yeah, Australia win. I'm going with whoever wins the toss and bats. That's my thinking. But uh, at the moment, the Aussies, I think, have got the noses ahead because they know that they can perform. Um, and my worry is with the England top order. Um, so, you know, uh, I think Messrs live balance uh, and Bell need to get some spinach down them. <laughs> I know. I heard this, I heard this suggestion on, uh, on the Ashes verdict um, programme the other day. And it was that, the away team, do you take a, do you take the toss out of the game and you let the away team decide what they want to do? And if you do that, then the groundsman will prepare proper test match wickets that are going to benefit both. This is a fantastic point. Uh, Megna, I don't know if you've come across it. It was Michael Holding that was mentioning it. And uh, Dan Kennedy, did you come across this? No, but it's no. a decent idea. Yeah. Holding said that forget the toss... Let's just have it that the visiting captain looks at the pitch in the morning and then decides if he's going to bat or bowl. And they said that would mean that we'd always have sporting pitches. But the thing is, the pitch, uh, I think it was, uh, who was that? Who was giving a pitch report uh, before the match? Probably uh, Botham or... Yeah, Ian Botham. Yeah, Ian Botham was giving the pitch report and he said it doesn't matter who wins the toss. It's such a good pitch that anyone, whoever... Whatever the captain chooses to do, he'll do it well. But then I don't think. Would you do you think England would have batted the same way Australia did if they had won the toss and chosen to bat? I mean, I don't think so. So. What are your thoughts on that, Dan? That's a very good point. Do you think England, if they'd have won the toss, would they have put up five hundred plus? No, but they could have got four hundred plus, like in Cardiff. Um, yeah. Um, 
you know, as I said before, they, they, they've, they've only got over 400 once in the last 12 Ashes tests. So, but they did it in the match before. So, yeah, if England had carried on, won the toss and batted, you know, they could have they could have got over 400. But, it, well, you know, Australia batting second on that would have almost certainly got a very similar score as well, 400 plus. I no doubts about that. I think the fact we scored the fact we scored three hundred and twelve batting first, uh, batting second means you know batting first is supposed to be a little bit easier, especially if you can get through the new ball. But that's that's the that's the counterpoint. If if Australia bowled the way they did, um, they could have easily got Cook early on with the ball, and they were taking the pitch out of the equation a lot of the time. And it was pure raw pace through the air, swinging ball, taking advantage, and then. Using the scoreboard pressure, which is obviously the other counterpoint, if you win the toss and get a big but on score. Day, on day one, England barely beat the bat. I thought they the did. Bat. I watched every single well, ball. Broad, and I, broad, broad, broad's got a yeah, few. Yeah, I thought there was a few. None of the other ball. Yeah, I thought there was a few. And there was a quite a few inside edges for, for for four that didn't hit the wicket. But it was it was. I thought the first, especially the first session, they, they beat the bat quite a bit. But then, obviously, once Smith and Rogers got in, they were, they were, they were chanceless, weren't they? I mean, the Aussies' run rate was 3.8, uh, you know, so they're, they're going below the, the now average of four runs and over, which is everybody thinks of. Pedest- but could, pedestrian. But, well, <laughs> no, but you could tell, I think Steve Smith's batting was very interesting because when Moan Ali came on, and he even said it himself, that they weren't thinking of just bludgeoning him to all corners. There were there were times when he'd just flick him quickly to you know mid wicket, get the single, rotate the strike, because they'd, they'd decided that we're not going to make the same mistake. We're gonna we're gonna dig in here, you know. So the the trenches have been dug, and we're gonna bat long. We're gonna bat big because, you know, Clark's won the toss, and they realise how important it was. You know, so if you had a team of David Warners, you you could have easily thrown it away, but because they've got such a good balance with with Rogers and Steve Smith, Clark's forms hot, he's hot and cold. Voges is hot and cold. So these guys understand that the, you know the onus is on them. Rogers is in sparkling form. Steve Smith. Any sort of score means that that then you know puts the shivers down England. But the style of batting changes my point compared to what they you know what they did at Cardiff was got in and then gave the wickets away and I think that was that was quite poignant and they knew the importance of the toss. When, and, um, when Steve Smith yeah. was batting, when Steve Smith was batting, I think um, he just flicked the ball and it went for a four. It was it just looked so effortless. It looked so easy. And I think that's when Nasser Hussain said um, that. You know, it was just a flick. It was like a very Kevin Peterson-like flick of the ball, and that's what—that's how it looks when a player in form hits the ball. Like because it just looked so effortless. It looked like he had he had put in no effort, and it just went in for a four. So he did compare it to a Kevin Peterson flick, but he did also mention that that's how a player in form plays. And yeah, Steve Smith is probably our most important player. He's a key player. So. It's very. It's all bottom hand. It's like it's like Peterson and like Rib Richards, isn't it? It's just purely walking onto walking onto off stump, making your stumps bigger, making the bowler ball to your strengths, and then just whipping them through because you've got such a good eye. Um, it's it, you can't really execute the cover drive like Ian Bell or Clark or Vaughan um, because you can't get your bottom hand through because you, it's all top hand and elbow like they teach you in the textbooks. But people like Smith are wonderful to watch batting because they've just ignored textbooks. They've pretty much ignored coaching and they've bat how they see the ball and it's fantastic to watch when it works. I think uh, Williamson's and Root have got both 
I think they're strong bottom hand and strong with the elbow as well. And that's, again, that's fantastic to watch. It is indeed. I was going to say that, uh, Megna, because it's your, your first, uh, you know, uh, appearance on our, our Crick Index podcast, I was going to give you another question, which is very easy. You said your favourite moment was Stokes' run out. What's your f- second favourite moment of the Test match? I mean, there must be so many with Australia. Um, yeah, that is actually really tough. But I think it would be Johnson's wicket, like the first wicket uh, he took in the second innings. I think that would be of Cook. Yeah, I think he got Cook out. Um, I think it was really nice because I love seeing Johnson getting wickets. And when he gets going, I know he'll keep going. And Warner mentioned this. He's like, I, I think Warner said this after the match that I love having Johnson on our side. So that was... Um, yeah, I think every time Johnson getting a wicket is be my favorite part, and of course winning the winning moment when Hazelwood took the final wicket. So yeah, I think they were all really nice moments. It was Hazelwood taking Jimmy Anderson the way Jimmy Anderson usually yeah. takes tail enders. Wasn't it? Yeah, that was, and it was a beautiful clean bowl. It was just yeah, and bowls are my favorite kind of wickets. You know, getting them clean bowl, and it was just four hundred and five runs. That's a big, big, big margin. Yeah. It is big. Um, Dan Kennett, uh, finally to yourself. Do you think English should make some changes? Uh, like you know, you're you're the man who's, who's you're the selector in chief. Uh, would you change it personally yourself? I know you said that you don't think England will, but would you personally want to see a change? Would I want to see a change if it was up to me? Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, the one I would have done is KP at the start of the summer, but uh, I think that ship. I think that ship has sailed now. <laughs> um, I mean, well, we don't want it to sail, do we? We want to just keep bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, I mean, after that, you know, we had that three hundred and fifty odd at you know the start of the summer. Um, you know, you, 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 but but I don't know. Would we've gone down there and? You know, I'd much rather he's the he's basically you put him in, and is he still the best batsman on both teams? If you put him in that, you know, he becomes the best player. He becomes the best batter pretty much. You know, you could say you could argue it's a toss up here and there maybe, but you know, he becomes England's best batter. Yeah, um, we're ready to tell you that. Yeah, they don't I mean they don't want to play against Peterson, do they? Anymore? <laughs> so, but yeah, so I, I, the thing is, I mean, though you know. You don't he's race him as a test match. Well, I do, but he's, he's a shot maker. But he's a shot player. You know, we've we got enough of them. You know, <laughs> you know, you could you could bring Rashid in. Yeah, okay. You know, his his, his bowling's a bit better than um, Ali, um, but his, his his batting's a bit worse. Finn, well, I think Wood's doing all right. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just the most important thing is to get a little bit, get a pitch which has got a little bit of sideways movement. And a bit of movement through the air uh, to get Anderson in the game. And that's the priority. And then just play play in a more English can in, in more English environment. But that's that, that's the you know change. Don't change the team. Change the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Yeah, Rhodes, anything anything more to add? Yeah, I forgot Azaruddin and Tendulkar when I was talking about amazing batsmen who can use both um, hands. But yeah, for this test. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything. I don't think either will. Um, I think they're both settled. And what we were talking about before, whoever wins the toss has got to be favourite. And it is only one all, guys. With all the pessimism, it's still only one all. I'm it, so nervous. Yes. I'm so nervous about it now. 
Oh, you're nervous when there's like two to go off the last open and one end. <laughs> National. Yeah, you were nervous when the Aussies needed 412, Dan. So I don't think that doesn't he, he was He was making that Dan Rhodes was here saying, tweeting, that he's still a bit nervous. <laughs> but the Aussies are going to get chased down the record. Maybe he was 6.50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I was right against Bangladesh in the World Cup, so... You were, you were. Oh, you know, credit, credit with credit No, it's... This is... It's it's the kind of the opposite. I know the, the famous test, Ashes Test Series in 2005 was... Uh, was Australia hammering us in the first test and then us coming back at Edgebaston. But this, is, this isn't close at all, has it? It's been the... One team has dominated every single thing in the first test and the, the other team has dominated every single thing in the second. I hope it's a closer game in the third. That, I think that would be the best thing for the series. That's it. Bring back, bring back the English pitches. I don't understand. I mean, 12 months ago against India, it's a green top. Although England lost the test match at Lords, um, you know, all the pitches were there conducive because the perception is the, the Indian back. Can't handle the same movement and perception. And if you ask me, perception, no, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to come briskly come on to the fact that I don't think many batsmen in the world can handle Broaden Anderson in English conditions, in especially the form that Broaden Anderson are in at the moment. You know, fully that. fit, you know, the, you know, proven. So I don't see why there should be any instruction. Just do what, if they had the traditional Edgebaston pitch, the traditional Lords pitch, all the traditional sort of pitches that happen over the years that we've seen. England would stand a better chance than this trying to manufacture things business. Uh, if indeed they're doing that, they definitely did it in Cardiff. The groundsman said they had perfect control over the uh, humidity and everything, the uh, water content and all sorts. So I'd imagine at Lords they've got an even more advanced system. And I think it was designed to go five days, so the Englishman let them down. Uh, very quickly, I was just going to briefly come on to the whole sportsmanship thing. Um, there was the incident with uh, uh, Butler, wasn't there, when he walked? And some people are saying that he shouldn't have walked, he should have stood his ground and things. Um, should people be like Gilchrist-esque and walk? Uh, what's your thinking on the whole walking thing, Dan, uh, either of you? Uh, well, I was always brought up to walk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did I always walk? I think pretty much. I think you know um, whether you should these days in the days of technology. Uh, you know um, that's what the radio system's there for. You know, you know, in an ideal world, you'd be played in the spirit of the game. People would walk, and and you know, the the DRS should be there for the for the absolute howlers. You know, not the speculative reviews like we have today. Uh, I always I always walked if we batted first. If we batted second and the team before us were cheating and I was a keeper, <laughs> then I didn't walk. <laughs> I like the umpire side. <laughs> I, I've never walked, personally. Uh, make you shouldn't, you shouldn't never walk time. these days. You shouldn't walk, not with the technology. Just let yeah. them decide. You have to these days. Megna, what's your thinking on the whole walk thing? Do you reckon batsmen should walk or do you reckon they should wait until the finger goes up? Um, I think it also depends on the kind of situation the match is in. Um, if you're doing well, then you probably can walk. If you're not doing well, you just stay. But I don't see any fault in Butler walking. I think it was okay that he walked. I mean, if anyway, the umpire would have probably sent it upstairs and then they would have known that it's out. So maybe then he would have walked. So I think it also depends on circumstances, but he walked good on him. Because I was always fond of Gilchrist when he walked. I loved it. Um, but I also would not mind 
you know, players not walking because it's really up to them. So if he decided to walk, okay, good on him. That's all. I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize him for walking or you know, say that it was good on him or whatever. It's okay. I remember Gilchrist not walking in his early career. He just had a kind of moment of clarity, didn't he, when he got a bit older? But he never yeah, used to walk at first. Yeah, Dan Kenny, I know you had uh, a positive stat to bring in. Yeah, I was, I was just saving it right to the end because despite all the pessimism, I've, I've got one thing to cling to, and it's a, the Australians' uh, record in England over the last 10 years, since 2005, played 17, won three, drawn six, lost eight. So I'm, I'm clinging to that then. <laughs> as the as the beacon of positivity, the record in England is is not great. Better it. We've got to realize so that. we've got less than a twenty percent chance of winning this next test. <laughs> Based on recent historical let's record, the, let, let's let's ignore the fact that they have their best team of the last ten years right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. With that, guys, I think uh, it's a wrap. Uh, thank you to Dan Rhodes. Thank you to Dan Kennett, and thank you, of course, to Megan. It was lovely having you on the show. And uh, thank you to the listeners. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.